Just to say again, um, <clears throat> you probably all have realized, uh, the way we're conceiving of what we're calling soul-making and the, the path of soul-making, dharma practice, is really quite wide. Uh, do you get the sense how, how it can actually involve the whole of our beings, more even than where more dimensions and aspects we're being even aware of at the moment? You know, so it, it can grow and it can move in different directions, and these different aspects and parts, or uh, yeah, aspects of the path, kind of um, support each other. So the uh, well-being, the samadhi, is you know, it's a, it's an important part. The working with difficult emotions, the being able to tend to uh, what to notice, to be aware of, to care for what's happening emotionally. This is a really important part of soul making. You know, of the of the whole the whole uh, frame, and desire, and being able to open up desire in different ways, being able to let go of desire, emptiness, imaginal, etc., etc. <clears throat> um, so, in terms of Q and A's, you know, p- please consider all that fair game. So. All of that's part of the package, and any aspect of that that you're um, working with or wondering about, or uh, you have a question about, um, whether it's a difficulty or or a loveliness or a curiosity, or the conceptual framework. Uh, So it's really open. And as as I said yesterday, uh, we are recording um, for the benefit of everyone, hopefully, (coughs) and, uh, and other beings elsewhere. And, but if you don't feel comfortable with your question being recorded, just say so and I'll, I'll press pause. Yeah, so that's completely fine. So, anybody? Andrea. Okay, um, Andrea yeah, this is just more of a surprise. And it kind of goes to Catherine as well, because you, you both said it in different ways yesterday that it was the um, concept turning into percept. And I think it was Catherine who said it that way. And when we did the chanting um, yesterday, well, this oh, morning. No, no, it wasn't chanting. It was sound. Yeah. And the sound, um, it was a combination of all the sound that we were making in the room, and then the suggestion from Catherine with what I feel was kinesthetic language. And that was huge in unlocking the energy body, and um, then later in the exercise with the um, moving the way your soul wanted to move again. So I guess my wondering is um, different ways in to the energy body, particularly with, um, you know, I would have said I'm purely kinesthetic, but obviously the language makes a huge difference to getting in. And other times when I just tried to work with the energy body and just bring the attention there, it's just, it's not, um, it's not happening. Yeah. But it was so easy and so effortless <clears throat> um, in those other modes. So the, the question is, can you give more suggestions or is it just kind of play around and take notes? <laughs> <laughs> um, so if I understand the question, Andrea's uh, reporting that in both, um, I don't know what to call it, when, when we sounded together, um, yesterday, uh, which I also found, I found really beautiful when we do that. I really like it. And, um, 
uh, there was a way that the, the sense of the energy body just really opened with the sounding and through the verbal suggestions that Catherine was making and the kind of language uh, in there. And then also uh, when we did the, the moving uh, to, the, to the urgings and the promptings of, of soul, the, the connection, uh, the, the language there, whatever was said, also stimulated uh, a kind of opening and awareness and connection with the energy body that that can sometimes not be so available when one's just sitting down, right, okay, energy body, let's open it up and, and working with it more technically. Is that... Yeah, it was the invitation to move. The oh, the invitation to move, specific to move. Okay, good. Um, yes. <laughs> um, it, so, so, you know, um, energy body is part of all this business. And all this business, uh, meaning the opening of soul making, um, including the opening of the sense of the energy body and that, and that, uh, liquidity of that and the dimensionality of the very sense of the body. All of that opening can be ignited. Uh, so it's really like if, if, if we use the analogy of fire, it can be sparked by actually, actually by anything. Okay. So there's, there's a, there's a, there's a way that um, we could say that all this business of soul making is a kind of, uh, I mentioned it, it's a kind of a grace. We're given it. We receive something. We receive a spark into the soul and something ignites. Yeah. So that spark could be a line of poetry. It could be a certain way of languaging that connects certain elements of our being or aspects of our being that we don't usually connect. You know, so for instance, movement and or resonance, a sound and energy body, or um, it could be an idea, as you say, a concept. A concept functions again as we could say a spark into the soul or a seed in the soul. So that again, when there's soul making, when there's imaginal perception, um, when there's sensing with soul, all this is going on. Body is involved. There's a felt sense of the energy body that, that is different or expanded than our, not just spatially, but in terms of dimensionality and richness, than our usual way in our culture people tend to feel their bodies. There's concept involved. There's a, some sense of poetics involved, poetry. All this comes together. So it's a bit like um, we're open, receptive, uh, sensitive, and sparks are given to us from teachers, from language, from reading, from listening, from poetry, from music, from life, from all of it. And the whole thing just ga- gathers more, uh, I don't want to push the image too much, but, but, um, uh, readiness to ignite. So, um, that means that you can then take something into practice. So, a line of poetry, a word, a connection between uh, two dimensions of being, like sound and energy, for instance, and just take that as a seed, and and you you drop that seed into the soul. You uh, cast that spark in, into the soul. Uh, does that make sense? So, you can be... There's a, there's always a range with all practice. When we talk about emptiness practice or samadhi, there's always a range between active and playful and deliberate and receptive. And, and for me, that whole range is, should be available. Whatever practice I'm doing, metta, 
emptiness, samadhi, jhana, blah, blah, blah. There's, there's always this range. And I, I would like everyone to feel really comfortable with that whole range. I'm not just stuck, just always just waiting and hoping, um, or just whatever happens is fine. But that's a really good mode, that extreme, you know, with the sensitivity. But also with the, I can play, and I can kind of, um, I was talking with someone this morning, uh, it's like, I can engage in the art, and I know things to try, and I can respond to what's going on. So like an artist, you talk to someone who's really into their art, there's that range. So where did this come from, that music? Where did that come from, that poetry? So I, don't know. It was a gift. There's a receptivity, but there's also this working of the of the elements. And does this make sense? Yeah, I think I was thinking of just categorizing um, and realizing that's not the case. You know, so just putting someone in the category of kinesthetic, and this person's in the category of oh, yeah, and yeah. What sparks work for some people that work for others, but I guess it doesn't. Well, I think it might be that people are more kinesthetic or more whatever it is. Um, but again, I would say, if we're talking about soul-making, what happens as the thing gets going is that it it starts to reach out and involve every aspect of our being, and actually even create and discover more aspects. So someone who, for instance, hasn't been very kinesthetic or, or, or uh, kind of feeling that the way soul can move in the body. Or, um, after a while of soul-making, they don't need to force that. It might be that they, they go in via the concept, but they're working with the energy body. At some point, <coughs> these sparks will connect, these, these, this uh, spreading of, of the... I don't know if it's a good image, the tentacles of soul-making, to start involving all these different dimensions and aspects of the being, so that they, they start to come alive, for, even for when they haven't been alive. But we don't need to force that. We can just go, if you go where there's soul-making, you just invite it into this field soul-making, and you just are there in the ways that we're talking about and work with it, it will spread. It will spread into other, other perceptions will open, other other aspects and dimensions of sensitivity of the being will just go. And um, and you'll still have people who are more like this or more like that, and that's fine, but there's, there's this kind of multi-dimensional, multi-aspected sort of... Uh, reaching out and evolving and growing. Does that? Yeah? Great. Is that? Hannah. Hannah, yes. Hi, Hi Hannah. <laughs> um, kind of links a little bit to this question. Um, it's particularly about two-ness. Yeah. Um, I, the way that I find into images, mm-hmm. myself is like, is very kinesthetic generally, and I find it easier to do so when moving. Um, and because of that, it feels like I kind of embody the image, um, and it feels soulful, but there's not so much the tuness, yeah? And I wonder... Yeah, very good question. So, um, Hannah's saying, if I check, correct if I'm wrong, so, um, a lot of the time, the way the images come alive, or, or Kind of entering, engaging with the images is through the kinesthetic sense, through the body, and sometimes through movement. And and the image becomes soulful, but uh, y- you feel like you're embodying the image, you're becoming that image in a sense, uh, perhaps. Or yeah. And so then the question is, where's the, where's the tuness there? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, 
And one thing I could say is if you just let that happen, let, let that embodiment happen, let yourself become that and just feel that out more and more. And one, one possibility is what happens is that you then, um, others or the rest of the world becomes a tunus with that, with that image. In other words, let's say I, I become a dancing deity and I'm some kind of dancing deity, and I'm really embodying that, and I'm in that. And then the world around me, in what we call in cosmopoesis, becomes an other to that deity in some other way, or other beings. And I, I'm in that deity, as I am, is in relationship with, with other. Yeah. So, But that might emerge in, in time, as you just let yourself embody the image more. So that's one possibility. Another possibility might be... You know, it's strange. If, if you think about or if you consider the ways we're aware of body, um, it's like uh, so this relates to all the aggregates, body, um, my, aspects of mind, you know, feelings and vedana and perception. I can feel like they're me or I'm looking. So I'm looking at my hand, you know, and there's a kind of two-ness now between my sense of me and my hand. But at other times, there's a sense why I am my hand. Yeah, So... Even when you're embodying something like that, it can move between um, a sort of um, uh, a vantage point of being inside and being identified with, and a vantage point of kind of some uh, objectivity or, or, or tuness. And that, that's just normal to perception, even in terms of our own bodies and minds. You say, strange thought I had. You know, it's, it's, it's like it's something else, other. Um, from another perspective, it's not other at all. It's me. Who else am I apart from all this stuff, you know? And I feel that I'm that. So what happens is, you know, just basic sort of way identification works, is it, it moves between, um, tuness and identification. So if you just kind of don't, don't kind of, um, you know, you're not doing anything wrong, but if you hang out more in the experience, there'll be a, probably be a couple of ways that you'll start to notice tuners different ways. Does that? Uh, I wonder if it's important to emphasize the tuners at all, like you know, try and encourage it. Yeah. So with all the, is it is it important to emphasize the tuners? Hannah's asking. So I'm just repeating so that people can, <laughs> can hear. Um, yeah. So with, when tunas will be is one of the nodes, one of the elements that we're going to go through. And um, what I would say more than that is, um, or rather slightly differently, is these nodes are, are things we can notice. Okay. So I, I would put it there. It's, it's less pushy at first. As I said, if you just the more you hang out in, in these experiences as they open up, with all your sensitivity and all your enjoyment and all your curiosity, it's almost like you, you start to no, it's like your eyes get used to the dark and you start to notice, oh, oh, there is tuners here. I hadn't noticed that. And that noticing ignites it. So I don't need to do anything so much as just notice when it comes. Some of them might be quite subtle. So, you know, tuners can be really extreme, or really alienated from something, or, or it's a lot more subtle, the sense of tuners. But the noticing it brings that sense of tuners alive, and that helps the whole thing become, as, as I explained last night, more fully imaginal, if, if you like. Yeah? What we might say is, um, I would make a distinction between experiences of oneness like melting into kind of union with something, which is really important as a kind of 
um, mystical direction or spiritual direction. It's important in the whole soul-making business. But when we talk about imaginal perception, sensing the soul, there's more this two-ness. So oneness is great, but if you find yourself kind of, I've, after all these years of practice, and this may not be the case with you, after all these years of practice, I just have a tendency to kind of melt and find uh, or melt into different kinds of oneness, a kind of oneness of light or a oneness of love or a oneness of awareness or whatever it is, a oneness of materiality or it can be lots of things. Then, then it would be more. Let's find. Let's find the two-ness. Let's let's kind of um, retain the two-ness. Yeah. Um, I could stop there, but you know, when there's when there's eros in relation, when there's uh, in this case your embodiment that that movement, and if it is like a deity moving through or a goddess or whatever it is. Um, and then the body can become your beloved other. So then there's an erotic relationship. You, this body, as it's felt right now in whatever is happening, becomes the erotic imaginal other, becomes the beloved other. And Eros uh, retains a sense of two-ness, even when it knows oneness. I know, I know this is one. Um, I know we are one, some part of my mind knows that, but in the erot- it preserves the erotic tension of two-ness, um, and, and actually creates even more kind of bifurcations and things, but I'll just throw that out as a seed. How does all this sound? Yeah? So, you know, I was thinking today just about something else entirely about emptiness, um, there's a phrase, uh, I don't, can't even, don't know who said it originally, in the Zogchen tradition, Trust your experience, but keep refining your view. And to me, there's just so much wisdom in that. It's like, look, when we talk about, <coughs> okay, what is imaginal, what's not, is this right, is there enough of this or that, or, you know, in these nodes that we're elaborating, it's, um, it's to say things can unfold more, richer, more, more soul-making, etc. But we have to kind of trust our experience and, and go with that. So in terms of what's unfolding, you don't really... Just, if it feels soul-making, you're on the right track, and things will start to get a little more apparent in, in that field. Yeah? So, just translate that Zogchen uh, phrase. Trust your experience, keep refining your view. Yeah? And that, that's obviously to every, everyone. Yeah. Please. Are you Tanya, is it? Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, I'll just see if I can get this question out. Um... So after years of practice, of Buddhist practice, I end up with imaginal. And I've been trying to, so this is about conceptual framework, I've been trying to understand how it fits. Um, and I think what you were touching on today, I had a bit of a train of thought around it, that I'm just thinking, well, there's form as emptiness and then there's emptiness as form. And I just um, was thinking, oh, so is this really imaginal? Stuff in the ways of playing with that whole area of the way emptiness manifests this form. So you have it's, it, you have to have that sense of emptiness, but um, it seems to me that, that a lot of Buddhist practice is very much about the dissolving and the emptiness. And I just thought, oh, so maybe what I'm doing is that other side. Um, and oh, why have I not? 
it doesn't feel like I'm aware of a huge range of practices that explore this area. There's sort of English, Tibetan, sadhanas, which are very rounded to some extent, but that's a sort of given imagery that you have to sort of slot, slot into to some extent. So I suppose my, my question is, do you, is that how you see this area? Um, and um, I, I just sort of this feels like maybe this is sort of some sort of way of the Western psyche unpacking that whole area, but I, I don't know whether there's other ways of doing it in Buddhist tradition. Other ways of what? Sorry. Sort of exploring this in, in the Buddhist tradition as a work there. I'll try and <laughs> so um also because I'm tired so so um not your fault so um so partly the question is what exactly is the where does this all sit with Buddha Dharma and the Buddhist traditions plural really, and particularly with empty the notion of emptiness and the common tendency of Buddhist traditions but also non buddhist traditions of kind of dissolving dissolving. And um, and where else might we find stuff like this within Buddhist traditions? Is that is that what's that? Is that okay? Okay. So um, um, I don't know where else. Uh, I'm I'm not aware of an, anyone um, of, of other traditions exploring. Certainly not in the way that we're talking about. Um, there's, of course, as you say, Indo-Tibetan um, sadhanas and Vajrayana that employ the imagination with the concept of emptiness and all that. Um, there's overlaps there, for sure, but I, w- I would say it's a little bit different. <coughs> um, but there's definitely overlaps. The curious thing here, so this might frustrate or confuse some people or, or others might find it liberating, is that if I just answer personally, I feel like I can conceive of it in different ways. Conceive of what we're doing and kind of map it in different ways and map its relationship to different Buddhist traditions. Um, and, and for me, that flexibility of conception um, is also part of the soul-making process. It's like it it arises out of soul making, and actually, it's it's also part of emptiness. Can in some ways construed. It's like things are not emptiness. One of the things it's saying is things are not um, tightly definable. They're not findable. They're not rigid like that. Our concepts don't um, don't uh, reflect some kind of truth. You know. Um, <clears throat> so when we say emptiness is form, form is emptiness. Uh, I. I mostly in my teaching, I tend to avoid the Heart Sutra because I think it can be interpreted so many different ways, which is great, you know. Um, so, if I if I turn and ask you a question, what do you feel you need right now with this? Because, because different people will need different kind of working answers or working hypotheses about this relationship between Buddha Dharma and soul making at different points and dependent on their personality and history. So if I give it back to you for a second, what would you say you you need right now?
think I think for me the question is arising in terms of how I um, maybe explain to myself and others whether I've gone completely off piece <laughs> <laughs> or whether there's something I can say that other people understand. <laughs> sure. Um, if I if I at the risk of being irritating, if I push the question one stage further and say, um, why? What's going on? And, and what's going on for you, perhaps emotionally, with, with that? You know, uh, so, and, and it's not, there's no right or wrong answer here. It's just actually, what goes on for me in my relationships to the concept of, or the concepts that we're unfolding and exploring, actually creating and discovering, and the whole, um, meaning set of concepts but also you know affect and love and reliance and community of but you know so that's a well i think that's a big question but maybe you have an answer right now so and so there's heart and soul and idea and you know there's quite a, a lot involved in do, do you see what i'm getting at i, I started thinking Sorry. Okay. The, the short answer, the short question was, why? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, your turn. <laughs> teaching role or yeah. okay yeah. okay got it yeah and you're trying to teach about soul making and so yeah so so around that area and it sounds um, well i think it's easy, easy for people to get lost yeah you know because like you said there's no single answer so it can just yeah go any which way it's yeah so So you gave two parts of an answer, and the first one was saying about being comfortable with not knowing, and not knowing what.
I think not having the comfort of oh, this, is, um, this is definitely the right way to go. Um, For yourself. <coughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, or sort of, uh, it is around clarity actually. I think the question is just around clarity, around how difficult it is to have clarity in this area <coughs> for myself and for other people. Yeah. And whether, and, and um, yeah, okay, very good. Should we just take a couple... I feel this is really important, so should we take a couple of minutes? <coughs> um, yeah, thank you. Um, so let's start with that, what you said last, you know, the, the, the business about clarity. Um, for yourself, you know, I would say something brought you here. Something brought you, as you said, after years of Buddha Dharma, end up in the imaginal. Um <laughs> Why? How? You know, you don't need to answer that now. But well, okay. I, if I might offer an answer, <laughs> um, the soul loves soul making. Soul loves soul making. Um, actually, you could say that's a core concept, and everything follows from that. Soul loves soul making. All the blah, blah, blah will come out. All the conceptual frame will come out. Of that. Soul loves soul making. Um, you have a, a, a compass for soul making. Okay, you, you, all of us do. We can feel when something is. So I don't. You going on and on? What the hell are you talking about? Um, I'm. It doesn't. I'm not quite clear. Don't worry so much about the clarity just yet. Or rather, I would say trust. You can trust navigation even when things are a little bit foggy. You know, the compass says go that way. I can't see more than 10 yards ahead, but the compass is saying go that way. So that that's the inner sense of soul making. Yeah, and you feel it in the energy body, you feel it in the heart, you feel it in, in ways that you couldn't even actually describe. And that's where we're going into all these aspects. So I would say soul of soul making. You have a instinctual, visceral, mental, emotional, soulful sense of what soul making feels like. And you can... Trust that as, as a barometer. I, I do think clarity is important, but it, it will come. So the other thing I want to say about all this, you know, it's, um, complex. You know, we're, we're building or discovering or uncovering or whatever you want to say, um, a, a kind of complex structure of subtle and sophisticated ideas that all kind of support it. So it's, you know, that journey to clarity and precision and understanding how it all works together, it will be, it, it will be gradual for, for everyone. I mean, I can, everyone, okay? Even the, the brightest person who's like, you know, it's like, it's gonna be, so that's okay, you know? Um, <clears throat> I think, I think, to me, the, the conception is part of soul making. This, the soul loves concept as well, and concepts that feed soul, you know, and that, and that it likes the intellect. It doesn't, it wants to include that in terms of aspects of being that haven't ignited it. So that's important too. But let, let it feed it and let it come gradually and ask questions. And, you know, there's, <clears throat> at this point, there's actually loads of listening and there's another 40 hours or something about to be, come out or, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> Just warning you. Um, um, so, uh, you, you know, it go, goes, it's a lot, it's sophisticated, you, but, but you have a compass anyway, yeah? So the other thing about clarity, I want to say, and this will come in our aspects, is that there's, there's something 
as I said, like, kind of contradictory about the whole thing. In other words, precision is beautiful and it's fertile. It's like I understand the concepts, it's clear. And yet the very concepts that we're using are also kind of, um, they have this kind of shade, shady boundaries of unclarity to them. Why? Because that's part of their fertility. Without that, they won't be soul-making. So I start putting something in this rigid, tight box. I feel, phew, I understand it. Boof goes the soul-making after a little while. You know, so there's there's this kind of strange tension between clarity and precision, and kind of uh, open-ended, sort of fuzzy-edged, elastic. I'll, I'll talk about this again. So that's one thing. Later on in this retreat, we may we may just bring up this because several people said, oh, "I want to teach this stuff," and and so we may just discuss that amongst ourselves and wh- where are we all at with that, and what feels right or ready, and what's a good idea, and what's maybe, hey, let's just wait a little bit. Um, I'm not sure how else to answer this question about speaking to others and teaching because if you don't, if it's not clear for you, it it may just confuse other people, or you might find that you can um, just make little poetic suggestions which open things up for people without kind of explaining a whole whole structure. Does that make sense? You, you know, you can actually introduce poet. There's all kinds of possibilities. Just, you're just, again, throwing out poetic sparks and, um, or sh- yeah, like that without, until you're ready to sort of, and now I'm, I'm clear how it all fits together. Does, how does that sound? Yeah? <laughs> okay. Um, but they're, they're actually big and important. I think, you know, Again, multi-aspected questions, and it involves the whole being. All this, so, yeah. Is that okay for now? Yeah. Okay. Let's have a minute of silence together. <coughs> <coughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org/donate.